Awesome God, we give you glory. We love you and we love your word because it reveals you to us, takes us deep in your truth, helps us get to know you better. So yeah, come Holy Spirit. You're the author of this word through John the Apostle. Uh, give us more help with understanding and knowledge and wisdom and most of all the knowing of you Lord Jesus face to face heart to heart um, God help us to get to know your words so much better that it's easier and easier for us to share it with others we thank you for that in Jesus name amen, amen. all right my illustration which you come to love and how many have framed this and put it on your walls at home or how many have it on your fridge at home not yet? No fridges? I thought maybe a fridge or two. Okay. <laughs> so, Revelation 21, the overall theme, I am making everything new. So new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Um, this is like the honeymoon phase for, well, I mean, the bride and the bridegroom, the, the wedding happens before the thousand year millennium, right? So we're getting used to it, I suppose. But um, the marriage is re-emphasized, uh, the bride and the bridegroom, and no more of the bad stuff, no more death, mourning, crying, pain, or tears. So we've been looking at uh, Jerusalem itself, the new Jerusalem and the foundations and everything. Been having fun with that here lately. So that's what we're in the middle of right now. Let's go to... Revelation chapter 21, verse 15 is where we'll pick it up. So John says, the angel who talked with me, and which angel is it? I'm just pop quizzing you. Well, we, we do have a description. Huh? What? Plague angel. Yes, I was like, huh? <laughs> Plague angel, one of the angels who poured out the seven bowls of the plagues back in verse 9 is the same angel that's still showing him all these things about New Jerusalem. So play, I like that, plague angel. He probably doesn't want that name for eternity, but <laughs> he probably wants New Jerusalem tour guide angel. This is, this is his job now. Okay, so verse 15, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold because why not because what are we looking at here what's he tour guiding us through heaven brand new jerusalem and everything in heaven is going to be made out of gold and precious jewels and stuff but gold is the main thing so why not your measuring stick be made out of gold too it's just <laughs> why not this is heaven have whatever you want did I read right? Is this right, guys who know these things? Gold is the only metal that, that never, ever rusts, never corrodes? Even silver over time will rust, will it? I read somewhere, just, just kind of breezing along, and it, and it mentioned this, I was kind of like, hmm. But it said gold is the only metal that never, ever rusts. Interesting. Okay, so measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, which is about, most of you have notes at the bottom of your Bibles, bottom of the page there, 
it'll say something like 1,400 miles. That's an awfully big city. Amen? It's, a, it's like a humongous city. I don't know. So the United States from coast, east coast to west coast is roughly what? 4,000 miles? Four? Three? It's like 1,500 miles from here to Florida. Roughly. Anyway, it'd be like kind of half, half of the United States is the size of this city. So that's a big city, amen? Uh, and so with numbers and stuff, normally we say, well, we're going to, unless it tells us differently in the text, in an obvious way, generally we're going to take those things to be literal. So this is the, qu the big question here, is this literal? Uh, 1,400 mile long walls, a square. So it's a 1,400 mile square city. That's massive. Uh, well, let's. So, how do you get? Why the number 12,000 stadia? We've seen what number has been really prominent in the New Jerusalem so far. 12. We've had 12 gates. We've had 12 foundation layers of foundation. Um, now we got 12,000 stadia, so how would you get 12,000 if 12 is the prominent number? 12 times 1,000, so that's kind of interesting. Does that, does that 12 theme carry through with the measurements? Let's see. It's found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. How high is the city? 1,400 miles. Can you say that's one amazing elevator? <laughs> Won't need elevators, that's true. That's true. So this is one place where we're, now we're especially going, is this literal? Literally true? We, we can't, so, so this is where we're getting into the realm of God stuff, right? Because we can't even really imagine. We can't imagine with our brains a 1,400-mile high wall for a city. Can't imagine it. Yeah, it's a space, though. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. This is a city we're living in. So who wants to live in the penthouse? <laughs> in this city. 1,400 miles up. You can't even see your neighbors. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, is it, is it impossible that this is literally true? Oh, no, it's not impossible. God can do whatever he wants. And if our brains can't understand it here, that doesn't mean it can't be true and real and amazing, right? Uh, but it's hard for us to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to make any declarations either way. It's just really hard for our brains to imagine that this is literally true. But if and when it is, I'm going to be like, glory. Right? We're all going to be, whoo. So verse 17, he measured its wall for thickness, and it was 144 cubits thick which is about 200 feet. 
Now there have been some, in antiquity, there, there have been some really massive wide walls and stuff. I mean, the famous one, I can't remember which city it was, there was one that the, the defensive wall around the perimeter of the entire capital city was so wide you could drive two chariots side by side on the wall around the city. So it must have been like 20 feet wide or something, maybe more, I don't know. I'm not up on my chariot measurements. But it, you know, to, to go side by side, you gotta have room, obviously on each side and room in between and stuff. And, but this is 200 feet thick. So what's the feeling you get looking at these measurements about the city? Massive, indestructible, untouchable, okay. protected. protected. Okay, can you, how many um, trebuchet boulders do you need to throw against a wall that's 200 feet thick to break through that wall? Ain't gonna happen. Huh? <laughs> Bob! Keep pointing out things that are appropriate and on track. No. Yeah. Who's going to throw them? I mean, all the enemies are. But it just, yeah. So the feeling we get is untouchable, protected. And this is because for eternity we are now untouchable, at peace. Never, never a threat again can come against us, so forth and so on. I think that's probably part of why the, these dimensions... But, um, so does the number 12, does that have any place in 144 cubits? Uh, so people who are gifted in math realm, 12 times 12 is 144. So the 12 theme obviously continues to run through the numbers. Does that indicate to us that these are not literal numbers? I don't, I don't think necessarily either way, but it's just to say that God keeps emphasizing 12, which takes us back to the what? The 12 tribes and the 12 apostles that um, the city is built on. And we're going to be reminded throughout eternity of these historic foundations for us. The apostles gave their lives for the, go for the sake of the gospel, and we benefit from that. We, we get to hear the gospel. We get to read it today in our Bibles because those men risk their lives for us and, and for the gospel. So all those good things. So really interesting. 200 feet thick, 144 cubits, which is 12 times 12. So he measured its wall, and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. So why does John tell us that? Because we've been thinking, what about these numbers? Yeah, we're going like, is, is this real? Is this true? Could this possibly be? And then John tells us, well, just in case you're wondering if he's using angel numbers, he's not using angel numbers. He's using which kind of numbers? Regular, everyday, man and woman numbers. So you go, hmm, that seems to be a hint towards taking the numbers literally. Maybe. Oh, I, I can't wait to see the city for lots and lots of reasons, but here's one of them. You know, 
not just kids, but adults sometimes, you know, what are we going to do in eternity? What are we gonna? Well, I'm like, if the city is 1,400 miles square and, the, and 1,400 miles high, I think we're going to spend some time exploring the city. What do you think? Much less what's on the other side of the wall. But, wow. Overcrowded. See, and the, you, get, you think about this stuff. You should now and then, you know, stop and think. And I was like, but Lord, I don't want to live in a Minneapolis stacked on top of people's city. I think the Lord's like, no, you country folks, your place has a nice, nice big garden and nice lawn for you to mow with your zero turn, you know, and um, whatever, whatever's perfect for you, is, it's going to be perfect. Maybe that's why the city has to be 1,400 miles square. I don't know what I'll do with it. I don't want to do gardens. You don't want to do gardens. You want penthouse. <laughs> we'll visit you in the penthouse. <laughs> and you can come visit our gardens. <laughs> well, Lisa does all the gardening. I just the grunt labor, so it's up to her with her. But... Um, so, I, yeah, I'm fascinated, but he says it's, it's man, by man's measurement. So he's saying this isn't some goofy angel numbers. This is real, live, everyday man numbers. So that, to me, um, pretty direct hint that this is uh, probably literal, which is fantastic. So Mount Everest is a molehill compared to the New Jerusalem. That's good. Thank you for that. Five and a half miles? No wonder people die up there trying to breathe. And Wow. Okay, anything else through verse 17? All right, verse 18. The wall was made of jasper. And I put that picture up there two or three Sundays, you know, with all the different beautiful colors and stuff. And you want to get it up there? Go ahead, because Judy hasn't seen it yet. All those are jasper. So I kind of think of, you know, a rock being mostly one color, but not so with jasper. So if the wall, I mean, the wall of heaven is made of jasper, I think it's going to be a multicolored, gorgeous masterpiece in itself. Well, we, we will have a blast looking at the wall. I mean, everything is going to be so drop-dead gorgeous, awe-inspiring, but even the wall is going to be beautiful. It's going to be a work of art. Wow. So the wall is going to be made of jasper. The city itself made of what? Pure gold. Why not just regular gold? Because regular gold is full of impurities. Anything, any kind of impurity is going to be in the new Jerusalem? The building materials are going to be perfectly pure. The people, inhabitants, are going to be perfectly pure. The God who inhabits the city and is, is the, the temple has always been perfectly pure. So we're not going to use gold we've dug up out of the ground that's full of impurities. We're going to use pure gold. And I say we, God makes the city, right? You don't have to lift a finger. So the wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as 
glass. Now this is one thing we're going to notice throughout the descriptions here. So when we think of glass, I guess stained glass, can you see through stained glass? Not very well, but depending on how much color and what kind of color is in it and stuff. But we're going to, the descriptions of most of the materials in heaven, it's going to describe them as see-through, as transparent. And yet, so it's pure gold, but it's like glass. So it says here, yeah, as pure as glass. And later on, different things, you know, transparent, see-through, and you're going, how does that work? Only, only in heaven does that work. But it's going to be drop-dead gorgeous, wow, gold, but at the same time, somehow you can see through it. I don't understand that, but I can't wait to experience it. It doesn't mention that. Well, sure, there you go, fine. Go back and prove me wrong. So verse 11, she's really good at that. Have you ever noticed that your spouse is really good at that? <laughs> verse 11, so it shone, the holy city comes down, it, the holy city shone, verse 11, shone with the glory of God and its brilliance is like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. So I guess, yes, yes, the color will be there. Crystal, yes, see-through jelly beans. <laughs> I like the prism colors we talked about before, you know, you can see through them. So it's going to be, it's going to be so amazing. Verse 19 the foundations of the city walls. How many of them are there? Twelve. Twelve. And what names are on them? Apostles. The apostles. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, which, you know, the same as the wall. So first foundation is jasper. Second is sapphire. The third... Chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. I only recognize about a third of those, or maybe a half. Which unit was the sixth one? Uh, this one says carnelian. What do you got? Ruby. Okay. So, topaz for 10th. Okay. Yeah. So, I like top topaz is way easier to say than chrysoprase. <laughs> so, what does that tell you when there's really different names for some of these in our Bibles? What's that tell you? Well, and it tells us some of these um, 
ancient words in the Greek, we're not exactly sure which ones they refer to kind of stuff. So it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit fuzzy on some of these. Some are nailed down and some are not so much nailed down. So what are we seeing for uh, the building materials in the new city so far? <laughs> a lot of junk. Somebody walk over there and smack that guy. <laughs> Wayne, you're closest. <laughs> right? He did that with, with laughing sarcasm because it's the opposite, right? He's saying, I mean, the walls are made of gorgeous jasper. Uh, the city's made of gold, pure and, and um, pure as glass. Even the foundations. Does anybody make pretty foundations? What are foundations made out of? Right? You know, nobody makes pretty foundations because we don't see foundations. Hopefully. Maybe after a massive flood or something, you see foundations and then you're in trouble. But these foundations are going to be viewable and they're going to be gorgeous themselves, the foundations. So the foundations, there's 12 of them. They have the apostles' names on them, and then each one is its own distinctive. Are any of the any of the um, precious stones used more than once? No. What does that tell you about the foundations? Each one is <coughs> different, unique, beautiful, wonderful in its own right, which reflects on the names of the apostles on the twelve foundations. Each one of them is what unique beautiful in the eyes of God, unique in um, talents and all those things in their own right. Each one of us is a unique creation of God, so we need to bring that to ourselves. In the eyes of God, we are gorgeous, and each one of us is unique and, and different and stands out and all that kind of good stuff. So pretty amazing stuff. Um, does this naming of the 12 foundations and the stones they're made out of, precious stones, does that ring any bells any other place in the Bible? And God himself is, there's no shadow of turning. So the city reflects God too. He is perfect, glorious, righteous. Okay, good. Hmm? Oh, who said that? <gasps> winner, winner, chicken dinner. This is, this is way back. So go to uh, Exodus chapter 28. So if you're regularly on a schedule of reading through the Bible, you don't, you don't have to whip yourself if you don't accomplish it in a year. But um, So I don't know, I'm probably on my 
eighth or ninth or tenth time. I stopped counting a long time ago. Uh, so keep on doing that. Keep on doing that because there's connections and stuff. The more familiar you are with the entire Bible, the more you bump into connections. If you're reading something in the Old Testament, you'll go, oh, that has a greater f fulfillment uh, here in the New Testament and vice versa. Okay, excellent. So Exodus 28, this is all of God's uh, specific instructions to Moses about how to make the stuff for the tabernacle and the worship, all the uh, furniture and stuff in it, and even the priestly garments. Now, why do we care what the priest wears when he goes in to, to do his stuff? Well, who does the priest represent? Yes, he represents us to God, and he also re represents God to us, and who is our perfect high priest? Jesus. So the high priest and back in the Old Testament Israelites represents Christ. So when you see high priest stuff on the Old Testament, you know, take note and go, is this showing me anything about my Savior Messiah Jesus? Okay? So with the ephod, you know, I'm really glad we're not in Old Testament times and I'm not the high priest and I have to wear this stuff. I, I really enjoy not even wearing the robe and the stole that I used to years ago. But this is, this is off the charts stuff because God is trying to visually represent to Israel the beauty and the wonder of Christ Jesus, our Messiah. And, and it, it tells us, it's teaching us things from both directions. So chapter 28, verse 15. Is that where I had written down? Yes. So God tells Moses, fashion a breastpiece for making decisions, the work of a skilled craftsman. Make it like the ephod of gold and of blue, purple and scarlet yarn, of finely twisted linen, and it is to be square. Hmm, that's interesting. Square like what? The new Jerusalem. A span long and a span wide and folded double. Then mount four rows of precious what? Precious stones on it. How many rows? Four. How many stones are going to be in each row, do you think? Three. Just like there's three gates in each of the four walls in the New Jerusalem. So this is about 12, obviously. Four rows, three stones. Each stone is going to represent a tribe. So every time the high priest brings a sacrifice into the Holy of Holies to present to God. He is the high priest who represents Jesus as bringing the people of God in with him into the holy presence of God. Yeah, how can you and I come into the holy presence of God? Only by the blood of Christ, only by the offering of our perfect high priest. So there's, there's a million things going on here with the activities and the f even the furniture and the clothes that the priest wears. It's all just amazing. Okay, so verse 17, then mount four rows of precious stones on it. In the first row, there shall be a ruby, a topaz, and a barrel. In the second row, a turquoise, a sapphire, and an emerald. Um, some um, Bibles will have lapis lazuli, <laughs> which is impossible but fun to try and say. Okay, whatever you said. <laughs> Mary Lou's pronouncing it properly, and I'm like, I can't. I'm just 
I'll let you do it. Uh, and an emerald, verse 19. In the third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. 20. In the fourth row, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. There's our jasper. Mount them in gold filigree settings, mounted in gold. Right? Um, 21. They, there are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes. So every time the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he was representing, he was bringing Israel with him into the presence of God. And there was also, from God's perspective, every time God looks upon the high priest, he sees a reminder of the 12 tribes of God's children. So it's just, it's fantastic stuff. Now, it's interesting, if you sat down and spent a lot of time uh, the 12 stones are not identical to the 12 stones in Revelation. They're not in the same order and stuff like that. But it's, there's some definite similarities. 12 precious stones there on the ephod, 12 precious stones here in Revelation. Just kind of interesting, right? Any other insights or connections there you want to... Hmm? What's fil he says, why filigree? And I'm going, what's filigree? I never looked it up. I read it's called pierced by metalwork. It's called okay. Okay, so filigree on the ephod, gold filigree, probably means that the stones, you don't just get um, a softened hunk of gold and then put the 12 stones on them. It's actually beautifully worked by a craftsman. Is that, is that what my th I'm thinking right? Okay. So even that's beautifully worked by a craftsman. Each of the 12 stones is surrounded by beautiful gold filigree holding it in place. Um, now, do you want to use gold to hold your precious stones in place? It's not the hardest, strongest metal is it? You've got to be super careful not to lose your stones because the gold will soften and loosen. And so that tells me that the ephod is going to be taken, it's going to be used with great care, right? You're not going to go out and play flag football with the ephod on. Okay? You're going to treat that as a holy, it is, as a holy thing. You're going to treat it with great care so that the, the stones don't fall out. But um, yeah, there's so much awesome truth in that Old Testament tabernacle stuff. Yeah, real good. Anything else through verse 20? Comments, questions? Beautiful. So pure gold, jasper walls, foundations, and I, I my assumption, it doesn't say, but my assumption is that the 12 foundations are visible around all four walls. And how long are the walls? Say that's a lot of precious stones. So I don't know to to see this stuff. You're going to want to spend some time where you're only going to be inside the city. You're never going to go outside. I'm going to go outside real often because I want to see this from the outside. I want to see the foundations and the jewels. I think we're going to go on, you know, picnic lunches a lot. <laughs> It's going to be drop-dead amazing. 
inside and out. Okay, good. Verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each gate made of a what? Single pearl. Big oyster and a big pearl, right? Because, I mean, gates got to be big enough for what? People and wagons and stuff. When you see the gate, gates of ancient towns, they're 10, 12 foot tall because they wanted to be able to ride horses in through the gates and stuff. And sometimes you have a really tall horse and a really tall person sitting on the horse. And I don't want to have to be ducking all the time, right? So that's not your normal pearl, amen? And how, so you start, your mind starts playing with, well, how do you make a pearl into a gate? Does it have hinges on the side? And you, you, I don't know. I think I told you this, one of the people that claims to have been to heaven and come back and tell us about it, they claim that the pearly gates, that they're like fluid, and it looks pearly, but you like you, get, you like walk through it. You don't you don't open it up. You, you like walk. And I was like, whatever. It's gonna be cool. Uh, but the gates are made of pearls. Twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. So it's gonna be massive, beautiful, and bizarre. The great street of the city. What would we call that? What would we name it in downtown Blue Earth? Main Street. The great street, the main street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. Here we go again. So I don't know. There's no way to paint it, no way to describe it. Well, even John uses the word, what does he say? He says, like transparent. He's trying to describe it, right? And he's going, I, I really can't. I'm trying, I'm trying to help you out here, but I'm using human words for utterly divine, supernatural things. Kind of like transparent glass, pure gold. So gorgeous, right? Should we go a little bit further? Anything else through 21? Comments, questions? Now we're going to get to describe life a little bit. We've described the city, what it's built on, what it's made out of. Now we're going to describe life a little bit in the city. So verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city. Now if you're 2,000 years ago, you're like, what? Every, every capital city, and most big cities, but every capital city in Bible times had a massive, beautiful awe-inspiring temple centrally located to whatever God that nation was relying on for safety and protection and so forth. So to, 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 for John to say, I did not see a temple in the city. Every, every, every person in antiquity reading this right now would be like, huh? This is not possible. We always build a massive, beautiful temple to glorify the God who's in charge of the city and the empire. Just as I didn't see a temple in the city because he's going to answer right away because he knows people are going to be like, this is not possible. How's, why? And he says, well, here's why. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its 
temple. So we use temples as a gathering place to come and worship the God that this building is set aside to, right? Do we need a building? We have a building. It's 1,400 miles square. And the God we would like to worship is present where? Just downtown? His presence fills and overflows the city. You don't, there's no place to go in the New Jerusalem to worship the presence of God. He's there. So we don't need a temple. He, he is the temple. This is some of the radical, amazing changes for eternity that we're going to experience. I didn't see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now, it's interesting. He mentions two persons in the Godhead, right? Lord God Almighty, we would usually say God the Father, and God the Son. But then he uses the singular. The Father and the Son are its temple. The two of them together. So they're, they're separate persons, but they're one God. And uh, one, one commentator noted that we never see the Father and the Son separate in heaven. They're always, they're always, John always sees them together. We never see, you know, Father was over here doing that and Jesus was over here doing that. They're always together in heaven. Interesting. Hmm? Yes. So we'll let your minds play with that a little bit. And that's a good place to stop today. So we got through um, the city and the foundations, what it's made of on the outside and on the inside, and now we're getting into what life is like on the inside. So pretty cool. Let's pray. Oh God, how our hearts hunger and yearn and thirst for this city, and most of all, to not have to go to a building to worship you, to uh, pursue your presence in that sense, but to have you with us all the time. You are the temple. Your presence is the temple in the New Jerusalem. We can't wait. And the beauty, even now, our hearts, our minds are beginning to try. We're struggling. We're trying to expand our thoughts and understand what it might look like. Um, our hearts are enthralled. We can't wait. Jesus, uh, increase our desire for you to come and take us to this home that you're describing for us here. And God, give us opportunities to tell others about this place you could have for them by faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.